My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be without a doormat. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we'll be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. An episode of television, A-Y-N. A-Y-N. Anything you need, except for a great episode of television, would make this an episode of television. (laughs) And if you needed to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end or we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone involved in Burn Notice, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind. No criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. As always, that is burnnoticed with a D, like the name of our show, which is a podcast. A and podcast. you do now have a doormat. I do. I, I need to understand. Bree has a doormat that is half of a sunflower. Mm-hmm. And I arrived. I saw the doormat. I knocked on her door. She opened the door wearing a dress that is also covered in sunflowers. And I thought maybe she had joined a cult. <laughs> I have. No, I just, it, it was a wild coincidence that, frankly, I forgot about when I got dressed this morning. I just, I just, I, I, I mean, I like sunflowers. Sunflowers are my favorite flower. And also I've been needing a doormat because even though it doesn't because rain Because I'm not around all the time. You're not around all the time. But also because it doesn't rain a lot in LA, but it does enough that I need something to do with my wet shoes when I'm coming into my house. And yesterday I went to Michael's for reasons unknown. I had reasons three weeks ago and then I forgot them, but we still went to Michael's anyways. And they were having a sale on a lot of their like fall decoration stuff. And one of the fall decorations was a doormat. And I was like, oh, I've been needing this. Wait, wait, hold on. (laughs) So what I'm assuming, okay, so if I'm understanding you correctly, Uh uh-huh. You penciled in a trip to Michael's today. Yesterday. Or yesterday. Mm-hmm. You Please penciled- get the timeline right. This Got is it. very important. You penciled in a trip to Michael's yesterday that you had penciled in like three weeks previously. Mm-hmm. And you were like, I need to go to Michael's in three weeks. Yep. And then you forgot why you needed to go to Michael's. Mm-hmm. But you still went to Michael's. Yeah. Even though you were the one who t- wrote down that you needed to go to Michael's. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> well, clearly you do not understand how great Michael's is. So the reason that I needed a, a like a doormat is partially because like the function of a doormat, uh, but also because one of my neighbors has a doormat that says "Welcome to Hell" and it's got like a little cheeky devil on it, and I'm yeah. like so jealous of this "Welcome to Hell" doormat that I'm like, well, I need something, and I only ended up with like a cute little sunflower one, which is at least it's colorful, yeah, and it doesn't look like you know. But bullshit. it's good though. I think if you would also put out a cheeky doormat. It would have felt like you were copying them. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm so mad. I'm jealous. Not all. And like, Quinn and I had this whole conversation about it where he was like, you should just steal it. I was like, but the problem is that it's a doormat. So if I stole it, I literally can't use it. It would defeat the purpose of stealing it. It's the perfect anti-theft device. But here's the the most confusing part about that apartment. So they have a welcome to hell doormat, which I Uh really appreciate. But then they also in their window have like... A, like, basic-ass white woman, like, we live in the an amazing America or something that looks like it was made out of, like, you know... It looks like they got it at Hobby Lobby. Exactly. Yeah. 
And like the, the the difference between these two items of decor, the only things that are visible from outside of their apartment, are so confusing to me. They, they tell wildly different stories. They do, and I don't understand what I'm supposed to take away from it. I'm fascinated by this apartment. Oh, maybe you should steal it. Maybe like that'll just be a thing. Maybe like sh- like you'll steal it, and then they'll steal it back, and then it'll be like an escalation. Mm-hmm. That seems like a thing that would happen on television. But the thing is, I have to put it on other people's doorsteps. <gasps> yeah, because I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get implicated. But then, no. then I'm just starting drama. But you know, at least it will be close enough to my house because I'll put it like at my neighbor's doors. So it's like it's almost like it's mine, and I know I put it there. So it's almost like it was a choice. <gasps> fucking crazy you're a crazy person diabolical you're the one that pitched this to me whatever let's talk about fucking burn notice let's talk about burn notice uh, let's talk about this episode season six episode six under the gun which aired on july 26 2012 it was written by jason tracy which was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> and it was directed by rennie harlan who did a fine job as we've established rennie harlan is probably one of the more accomplished directors that has directed burn notice mm-hmm. it looks fine yeah i didn't yeah looks fine yeah the premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is Sam and Barry are pinned down by an assassin as Michael gets a lead on Anson. An MI6 agent tries to prevent Fiona's release from prison. I love how those sentences are not connected to each other in any way. Nope. It's just like two things happen. And really three things happen. Yeah, I was going to say, it almost like they, they totally, like Michael is like the 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 last edition. Yeah. What, what's that called? It's the last edition. No, like the when it's like it's tacked on at the end. What's that called? It was like you forgot about it. Like, like it was an unintended tacked on thing at the end. But there's like a phrase I, that means that. I kind of think that here's the thing. If I like follow you any more down this, it will drive me crazy. So I can't. I'm just gonna go in the weeds. I guess, but now I'm losing it. Yeah. Oh, God, no, this is the worst feeling. I hate watching you go through this. Oh, no. I can't. I No, I have to go in the weeds. I'm in the weeds now. I can't be part of this. I can't think <laughs> about it. I'll follow you in when I can. All right. Bree's going to, while Bree does that, I'm going to step to the weeds uh, and start explaining what happens in this episode before I get trapped, too. <laughs> like I got trapped in the elevator. All right. So this, this episode starts and Michael visits Fee in prison. And tells her that he has a lead on Anson from Rebecca, and that if he can arrest Anson himself, then Fee can get out on time served. So, like, as soon as they get Anson, Fee gets out of prison. Like, she has served enough time. It is golden. Well, it's not even that she's served enough time. I think it's specifically that, like, like she's in there because he set her up. If they can catch him, yeah. then it... And now that they know enough about him, it's, like, enough to... They have the person responsible for the bad thing that happened. Yeah, but also she's done a bunch of shit. Like, and she still bombed a consulate. She just didn't yeah. do it <laughs> She as didn't mean much. to bomb as much of it as she ended up bombing. So, like, like she's arrested for some stuff. She's got a rap sheet. <laughs> like, but they're like, what you've been in so far, that covers the rap sheet. However, Fee gets called into a meeting with a man from MI6 who has thrown a wrench into this plan. The MI6 guy has a very specific window of time to take her to the new British consulate that's not been blown up yet <laughs> and interrogate her about her connections to the IRA. He's very unhappy with Fee because she worked for the IRA and she's like, I it's not. I left the IRA because the IRA sucks. And it's like, 
still, no, your IRA is gone. Well, she did specifically say, I never killed civilians. civilians. Which implies she killed other people. Right. Which I appreciate. Of course, yeah. But yeah, he has this specific window of time in which he's going to take Fee to the new consulate and interview her. And then leak that this happened so that, like, people in Ireland will go after Fee's family. Mm-hmm. And, and so he will do that. But if she gives a full confession that, like, she did blow up the consulate mm-hmm. and stays in jail and not does the CIA asset stuff, then he won't do that. So basically, the options are... Your like, family dies or you stay in prison forever. Exactly. Like, that's going to happen at some point in the near future. Mm-hmm. So Michael and Pierce, meanwhile... An afterthought. Yes. Afterthought. That's what afterthought it was. Afterthought is the fucking word. It felt oh. like Michael's plot was an afterthought in the synopsis of the episode per IMDb. Oh, God. I'm that, glad you got there. That took me so long. I literally have been sitting here, like, thinking about it. Anyway, Michael and Pierce have a clandestine meeting in a park, and Michael tells Pierce that he knows where Anson's going to be, and Pierce works out that he's been talking to Rebecca, um, who is a CIA traitor, and because of this, she wants to be in charge of the op to get Anson. This doesn't make sense, and... Well, she's done this a couple of times, where she's like, no, 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 Michael, you, this is, you are working with me, I have to do this the right way, especially if it's going to be legit enough to, like, get Fee out of prison. Yeah, but the way that she explains it is it seems like it's related to Rebecca. Like like she's and, mad at Michael for working with a traitor and yeah, so she's and punishing him. This is like the first and I thought this was it was just odd the way that it was explained. Like it was like, yeah, whatever, we need Pierce involved, but like her motivation doesn't make sense and this is a problem that continues throughout the episode. Where people have motivations that don't make sense. I mean, I feel like this is consistent with, like, the first episode of the season when they first lost Anson, where Pierce was like, no, Michael, you seem erratic. I have to be in charge. You get that I have rules, right? No, yeah. I'm willing to accept the scene as it took place doesn't make sense, but I I wasn't fussed with it. I wasn't fussed with it. It was literally just her weird focus on, like, her pinning it on Rebecca. Rebecca felt weird. And so, like... The connective tissue of, like, making these motivations work wasn't put together. I feel like they probably can't quote Rebecca as their source. Yeah. So, like, she needs to have as much of this by the book as possible in order to make this arrest stick. And I, the only reason I'm harping on this... Is is, because it leads to something later. Is that, like, in general, this is the beginning of a trend in this episode. Fair enough. Also, Sam can't be involved because the CIA still hates Sam. What did Sam do? I mean, remind me. I mean, he did a lot of stuff, but I remember there. I was mean, a... there's a whole movie about it. <laughs> oh, that's true. <gasps> no, uh, remember the like the CIA of... hates of those two guys in the CIA. Oh yeah, and then he was yeah. supposed to get back on their good graces, and then yeah. he didn't. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. That's fair. So Michael, with Nate in tow, goes to tell Sam the bad news. He's not involved, and Sam gets pissed and says, "I've been helping you work through this burn nose garbage for several years." And mood. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've never related to him more. The greatest indignity comes when he learns that he's out, but Nate, Nate is in. <laughs> and so Michael puts Sam on watching Madeline duty. And so meanwhile, Fee goes to Anne and asks her to make it look like Fee escaped during the hours when she's supposed to go to the consulate because it's this specific window. Mm-hmm. It's not like they can push it forward an hour and it's fine. Yeah, apparently not. Also, if she escaped, wouldn't they just like call the IRA petulantly and be like, hey... We have Fiona. She's bad, I guess. Also, if she escaped, 
does that not put in jeopardy her CIA deal? Like, it seems like... Well, I think the fact that she didn't escape is what she's hoping will save her. Yeah, I also but it's think... also... No one questions this at all. Yeah, it is... it is a stretch. It feels it like this should get her into way more trouble. It feels like it should, and at no point does she question that it will. Mm-hmm. Ever, like, she is certain... This is the other thing, is that motivations don't make sense in this episode, and plans that should not work work and people execute them as if they assume they are obvious that they will work uh this this is plotting that i like to call a a a new hope plotting where stuff just happens and people die and luke's like okay i guess i'm a jedi now (laughs) the only two people the only family members i know are dead bummer but i got a cool light sword now yeah but also in a way that like if everyone was acting like yeah this was supposed to happen yeah but yeah, so Fee goes to Anne and asks her to make it look like she escaped. And Anne asks what's in it for her, and Fee says, well, you can be the one who finds me, and then that cooperation will get you, like, an early release. Again, this is a wild assumption that this will work. Yeah, well, it's a wild assumption that it will work. It's a wild assumption that, based on no evidence, Fee's like, yeah, this will do it for you. And then later we learn that Anne has a parole meeting coming up. Yeah. But Fee didn't know that. No. And without that, just finding someone maybe will get you extra credits at the commissary. But, like, I cannot imagine that, like, finding an inmate who hasn't actually escaped is going to sway the needle that much. And exactly. And just, like, the idea that, like, it's so trans transactional that like they're not going to counter with like something else or whatever like it's just assuming that like the things happening in my head will happen Mm -hmm. exactly like it's going to happen in my head yeah it's it's very like everything's very convenient yeah everything's incredibly convenient this is the point in my notes very early on where i wrote i can't tell if i'm hungover or this makes no sense (laughs) yeah oh god so anyway recapping it makes it a lot more evident oh god anyway so um, at the motel where they're waiting for Anson. So Anson is supposed to show up at this hotel because Rebecca has left like a package for him. Yeah, that's what she's been doing a lot is she's been like getting yeah. him new IDs and money and like putting it at different like dead drops for him to yeah. pick up. And so like they're setting up like Fee, or not Fee because Fee's in prison. Like Michael and Pierce and everyone, all the CIA are setting up. They're at they're in Atlantic City. We they're in Atlantic the- City. They're in, yeah, they have gone to Atlantic City. Yeah. Uh, Nate's favorite place. Nate Nate loves Atlantic City. That's why he's there because he can drive and he knows Atlantic City. Yeah. Um, and this is important. Nate's yes. there to drive. Nate's there to drive. But yeah, and so they're setting up and they hear some noise suddenly. And it turns out there's a party at another motel in another motel room. You know how people have parties? In motel rooms? I, it feels like the burnout is pilot and like a spring break thing. Because I feel yeah. like spring break, people do have parties at motels. Because this is just sort of like yeah. where they're at. It's unclear if it's spring break or what. And it's also as if like, the way that they hear it is like, there's it's quiet. And then suddenly there's party noise. And then we look out and there's like 50 people there. And they're all there. They've clearly been there for a while. No, they, they silently came up. And then all, like, it was like a surprise party. It was like... <laughs> then no, finally it was the like, person whose surprise party it was got there. And yeah. that's when they erupted into noise. It's like when you, like, go to, like, the theater and everyone quietly gets in positions. <laughs> and then the lights go up and then they're in a party scene. That's what happened to them. <laughs> and, and anyway, this party is a problem, apparently. Yeah. Because they could draw the police and they need the police to not be there. Because if the cops show up... 
Anson might get scared. Anson might get scared. And anyway, and so this is a conversation that, like, Michael Michael and Pierce have. Mm -hmm. Nate is not here for this conversation. But Nate independently also comes to this same conclusion that this party cannot happen. Mm -hmm. And so Nate decides, like, unilaterally that he is going to go up to the party people and pretend to be, like, the assistant manager of the motel and say, you guys got bed bugs, mm-hmm. which is a very Michael Weston thing to do. He's like trying to be Michael here. Aww. And it's like, it's very Aww. sweet. Yeah. Um, he's trying to be Michael here. He's like, y'all Nothing got bed bugs. Nothing tragic will happen as a result exactly. of this We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but like, but Michael is like, oh, Nate's going to fuck everything up. And he goes and immediately like yells at Nate. And like, but after Nate like makes him part of the plan, it's like, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, it's bed bugs. And like, all right, we got to go. Bed bugs. And Michael's like, well, yeah, but now everyone might think they have bed bugs and everyone might leave and Anson might get tipped off. And then like... Which is also bad. Which is also bad. You've so just created like, a new, different bad situation. You, which again, I also want to say is a bunch of leaps. Like, I feel like I would give Michael in this episode a lot more credit if they established that Michael is trying to outthink Anson and like really was... And like he's being paranoid about like... Anson's like chess master behavior. I think it would also help if we if there was more tension because like last yeah. week the tension was really good and so like if mistakes were made, you know, yeah. like it's just a result of like shit. The stakes are so high and like the stakes are technically high here, but everyone's just like sitting around in a hotel exactly. room. I don't feel it. And like, but the point and like Michael and, like, is Michael's like not at his breaking every, point. He just comes out and yells at his brother. Everyone is like like trying to do all these like four steps ahead chess moves of like, well, if there's a party here, then the cops will come and then like Anson will get tipped off. And it's all these like, if we saw that Michael was spiraling, maybe it, yeah. would, establish, it would, it would help explain his like really rash reactions. Exactly. But instead the episode just is like incredibly certain that all of these Rube Goldberg type situations <laughs> will go as planned. Right. It is a certainty that if you do, if like, the cheese goes in the thing and the thing gets turned over, then the mousetrap will go. Mm-hmm. But no, it's fine though. The people leave and it's not really a problem. And it never, the bed bugs never come up again. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at Madeline's, Sam is hanging out when Barry shows up and it's like, hey, I've got a gunshot wound and another plot line. <laughs> 10 minutes into this episode, we have another plot line. That becomes like one of the primary ones? Yeah. Well, no. He says that now that Fee has turned on her gun supplier, remember from last week, mm-hmm. she's got guys after him. But and th- different guys? Does that get explained? Why a totally different gun supplier comes after him? The don't... other guy is arrested. Grayson's arrested. Then the guy from this week, who's I think an actor from Lost, just shows up and is also bad and important. I know. It's just. How is he related to Grayson? Guns. See, this was the part where I started questioning it because I was like, "Wait, I thought they arrested Grayson and all of his guys." I yeah, I thought it like got out that like Grayson got arrested, and so like now anyone who like Fee dealt with. But how did they know it was Fee? Um, I assumed they knew it was Fee because like Michael did it. But like, how do they know Michael did it? How does anyone know what went down with Grayson other than he is arrested? Did Grayson call all of his other, like, gun competitors? Like, hey, by the way, I'm doing a, a, a job with I'm Fee. assuming... She's we're... getting totally ripped off. It's hilarious. I'm assuming word just gets around in Miami. But how? I mean, that's a good question. Again, this episode... <laughs> I love that, like, you were picking up on different logical ins- inconsistencies, though, that I picked up on. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Uh, anyway, but yeah. So, anyway, gun guys are after him. And the FBI says that he will. Hu- they will help him with the gun guys... But only um, 
if he cooperates in the fee investigation and all that, mm-hmm. um, the problem is that, like, he can't just tell the FBI to go get his, like, records because mm-hmm. all of his records are there, including, like, stuff that he's done for a bunch of other bad guys and for Michael mm-hmm. and for Sam, apparently, who has a tax shelter. <laughs> and he's like, you told me those tax shelters were totally legal. And Barry's like, what about that sounds legal? Which I like. It was like, Jason Tracy is funny. I also like, though, that, like, every time Barry shows up, whether they hire him or not, they fucking hate Barry. They hate Barry It's so, so confusing, because they clearly depend on him quite a bit for a lot of things, but, like, the hostility with which they treat him every time they see him is so strange to me. Right. Like, he shows up and they're like, Barry, how dare you come in here with a gunshot? Like, the whole time, he's just like, fucking Barry. I hate Barry so much. Barry, how, how dare you walk in here with your metrosexuality <laughs> i mean that that's a thing that comes up later yeah because it's jason tracy it's exactly and uh anyway so what barry needs is sam to help him go to where his records are located at his buddy's house at one of his at, clients houses. as one of his clients houses and Very get the place. records. Yeah. No, because everyone hates him. <laughs> but yeah, they need, basically they need to selectively get some of the records out of the house. So he can give those to the FBI and the FBI can like get these guys off his back. Mm-hmm. And so then Barry gets a lower third and Barry is the client, which I guess makes this the A plot. Also, how long has it been since someone has been the client? I was thinking about my like, episode because Rebecca isn't called the client, no. at least as far as I saw. No, I don't know the last time that someone has been called the client. And I didn't realize that until Barry got called the client. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because we used to talk about how they would never let go of this. Right. And then they did it so subtly that we didn't notice. Mm-hmm. And so it feels weird and throwbacky. Which I would appreciate more if it was done well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, so Barry and Sam go to the home of one of Barry's clients, who is not a nice dude, although that doesn't matter. No. They make a point of establishing that the dude is not good, even though that does not really come to anything. I think it comes to the fact that it's fine if they, like, blow, blow his, house up his house up. Yeah. Spoilers, <laughs> they're going to blow his house up. Uh, <laughs> I like how we say spoilers as if people are listening to this podcast as if they haven't seen the episode yet. Yeah. But then also, like, want to be, like, want to, like, ride the same story tension yeah yeah anyway spoilers (laughs) he lets barry stash his records at his mansion they get what they need pretty quickly but as soon as they try to leave they are met with more gun guys in every sense of the phrase (laughs) these are guys with guns who sell guns Mm -hmm. um it's guns all the way down who shoot barry again in the leg and so Sam and Barry run back into the mansion where they are now trapped. And they are completely cut off from cell service and internet, and the phones have been cut, and so they are on their own. So Sam cuts up a beer can to turn it into a police badge, which is the first of many beer can-related crafts that happen in this plot line. <laughs> and here's this- the thing. This is my favorite plot line. I love this plot line. I think it's like... We get the most spy tips out of it. Yeah. Like, I think Sam is fun. I like... It's the improvisation that I, we true. always like. It's the only plot that that's happening in. And no one's being rude to anyone that I care about, so... It's just Barry. Yeah, it's just Barry. Fuck Barry. Oh, God. Um, but yes, I also like that similar to the yogurt craft from a couple of episodes ago, we're letting the Sam episode be the beer can craft day. There is a there is a good joke when um, he's like 
uh, gives him like a little list of things to find, and one of them is a glass. And it's like, what's the glass for? It's like we don't waste beer in my family. <laughs> well, and then later, like he's been doing so many beer can crafts that at a certain point, like he crafts a beer when it looks like really dire, and Barry's like, well, what's that beer for? And Sam's like, it's just a normal beer. It's for drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Tracy's a really good writer. This is the wrong episode for him to be writing. This is the wrong episode for him to be writing. So Barry explains that the guy outside is named Garrett Hartley, and he is a cold-blooded son of a bitch, and like the vice president of killing people. (laughs) However, I will say, you mentioned he was on Lost. Mm -hmm. I think this is another case of like Burn Notice not quite casting right. Because he looks more like the vice president of marketing and development. This is not, like, I think he the was, most scary individual. Yeah, I think he was one of the... He's more, like, quiet, creepy. Not, yeah. like, outright action villain. Exactly. Like, I think in Lost, he was one of the Dharma guys. Remember Lost? Yeah, vaguely. He was one of the, like, science people yeah. on the island. That's what, like, yeah, he could do that sort of thing. He looks like he could be a scientist. Mm-hmm. There's a little... He has a... But with, l- like, some unethical yeah. practices. Um... No, yeah, I definitely, yeah, no, he's definitely, like, he could be, like, a bad guy in Stranger Things, maybe. But yeah. Not, yeah, like. That's a that's a good pull. That's yeah. exactly what his energy is. Exactly. But not, like, King Gun Guy and, like, cold-blooded son of a bitch and the vice president of killing. It's not, vice president <laughs> of killing people. Yeah. But he gets on, like, the intercom. Because at the end of the driveway, there's an intercom to talk to people inside of the mansion. Mm-hmm. And this is how all communication is handled. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. And forces them to keep their distance so that Sam can do his little beer crafts. Exactly. Yeah, so Sam gets on the intercom and tells him that he is a U.S. Marshal, and he shows him his beer badge, and they've got a ton of guys in there, so he should just go. Like, he's not under arrest, but he should just go. (laughs) Get out of here, kid. Get out of here, kid. This one's a freebie. Yeah. Uh, Hartley doesn't buy it, which is weird because normally when people make dumb plays like this in this episode, it works. Mm-hmm. And so he sends some guys in an SUV to drive around the building and check if there are any gun guys there. And so Sam sets up a motions, like a motion sensing light, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a floodlight or something? I don't know. But yeah, like, it's just like an exterior light that's motion sensor. Exactly. Uh, and rigs it so that anytime the motion sensor goes off, it shoots. Well, not anytime, but like once, mm-hmm. it will shoot off these two shotgun shells, mm-hmm. which is a cool thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, he also grabs some other stuff to build what I thought was going to be a bomb, but turns out to be more of a bazooka, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back at the hotel room, Michael, Pierce, Nate, and Jesse. Did I mention that Jesse is here? He hasn't mattered at all. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesse is also here. Yeah are waiting for Anson to show up when a pizza delivery guy shows up and everyone freaks the fuck out. <laughs> and it turns out that Nate ordered pizza at the stakeout to be nice. And Michael has a hissy fit because he ordered too much pizza. For a single room. For a single room. He's like, no one orders that much pizza to a hotel room, which it could be one of these motel parties. That happens. I was thinking that too! <laughs> it could just be a motel party, for one thing. And B, it's like four pizzas. It's not even that many It's pizzas. not that many, like... We've both gotten depressed and eat an entire pizza Exactly. Ourselves. I think, like... If you if, have a family of four in this two-bedroom two, two hotel room, which they are in, yeah. four pizzas is nothing. Exactly. That's, like, yeah, that's, like, standard. If there's four or five people, like, that's fine. That's, like, not an insane amount of pizza. It's not a suspicious amount of pizza. Mm-hmm. It's also, like, it's unclear how many CIA guys are there. Mm-hmm. Because, like, sometimes it seems like it's just Jesse and Michael and Pierce and, like, maybe one other guy. But sometimes it seems like there's 20 people. Mm -hmm. And 
It's not enough pizza for 20 people. Definitely not. No, so it's not even like he's feeding all of the CIA guys. And this, in fairness, feels like a props issue and not necessarily a writing issue. Because in the writing, it's like, he gets a lot of pizza. So I feel like they should have given him, like, a fuck ton more. Right. And maybe if he said, yeah, send a couple to the other rooms over there. It's like, well, that's also suspicious that you're ordering pizza for multiple Multiple rooms. rooms. Like, yeah. That That would have been more suspicious. But if at the very least they had given him way more pizza to hold, I think it would have worked better. It would have sold it better. But even then, and, like, Michael freaks out because, again, he's playing these weird eight-dimensional chess moves (laughs) that are, like... Well, if Anson sees the pizza, then he knows it will be here. But again, it's not played like paranoia. It's played like him being a reasonable spy. Right. And like Nate just doesn't understand because he's just as fuck up. Exactly. Anyway, this is a bridge too far. And he tells Nate to leave out the back, which I think is <laughs> more, more way more suspicious. Because like... He should have taken the pizza with him. He should Yeah. Oh my god, did they eat the pizza? That's what I want to know. Did they eat the pizza? I really wanted like one of the final shots of like while they're watching one of the the cameras of like Michael eating pizza, sadly. (laughs) Right. Oh my god. But yeah, so Nate leaves and Jesse's like, that's your brother, dude. And Michael's like, this is for feed. There's no margin for error. And like, that's part of, and it does sort of explain why he's like. But we don't feel it. The problem we don't is, feel he, it. We're, he's assuming the last five episodes have led us to this moment, yes. and they have plot-wise, but emotionally, no. I'm watching this episode from scratch. And like, I don't know if this episode was like a mid-season finale or something, but it does not feel like that. This very much feels like a random middle of the season episode. Yeah, and so the like the problem is is that the emotional like yeah. tension is not there. So Michael acting so rude for no reason. Exactly. This is not like nothing about this episode makes it feel like this is the episode where they're going to get Anson. Right. This feels like an episode that's going to set up the episode that next week they will get Anson. Right. That that's yeah. also how when they when they got him at the end, spoiler alert, I was yeah. surprised. I was like, that's crazy. Why would it happen? Exactly. Uh but also as as soon as uh I just want to say for the record that as soon as Nate leaves in disgrace, the thing that I was wondering about, I knew in, immediately I was like, Oh, I, I, this seems early. I thought it was gonna happen in season seven, but No, okay. I, I genuinely had no idea that this was coming. That's fascinating. I had no because again Because I knew Nate would die eventually just inherently i knew i spoilers part of the spoiler is that it's this episode <laughs> part and then i so i i knew nate was gonna die generally because that's how it works in shows like this yeah. everyone hates him but we have to like give him a good send-off i assumed it would happen in season seven exactly the thing is that like i think part of i never dreamed that nate would <laughs> i never dream of such a happiness here's the thing i totally believe that like nate could die at some point mm-hmm like, I never dreamed that it would happen in this episode. Because yeah, in like a nothing, mid-season, season six. Yeah, nothing about the tone of the episode, nothing about the way that the episode is presenting the story to you. Mm-hmm. Nothing suggests, about the previous episodes leading up to this suggests that, like... This is it. Like, this is not what is happening at all. Again, this is a goofy Jason Tracy episode. Mm-hmm. It feels like almost like they had to write him off and they ran out, like they, they were planning a much longer thing and then we're like, well, fuck, we, we have to write him out for whatever reason. So we have sick, like, let's get him out but as we're early definitely, as possible. We're definitely set on this being how it happens. So we have to like shove this in mm-hmm. as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking about it and now I'm wondering if the plan was always for Anson to, like, because spoilers, like, 
Anson's cup. I love and that you keep saying spoilers. We're literally no. recording a podcast about this episode of television. It's not a spoiler. I know, but like, here's the thing. In my notes, I'm surprised. <laughs> so I can't read my notes and then act surprised in my performance of my notes if we've talked about it so much beforehand. <laughs> okay, fine. That's but but here's the thing. What were you thinking about? So they is that like now I'm wondering if it's not a Nate thing. I'm wondering if, like, the idea was always the end of Anson was going to involve the end of Nate. Mm -hmm. And then Anson, that actor, they had to get rid of, like, Earlier in the season. Earlier. Like, like he got hired on something else. He was not going to be available at a certain time, so they're like, oh, fuck, we gotta, like, we gotta get rid of Anson now, because we don't have him any longer. But we've already decided that the only way that, like, we can go forward after Anson is killing Nate. Hmm. So maybe it's not, like, a Nate thing. Like, they're trying to write Nate off. Maybe if they're trying to write Anson off. Yeah. Interesting. Like, that actually makes more sense to me, because, like, that guy works a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's already a guest star. He was already, like, harder to wrangle. I would love to yeah. know if anyone from the Burn Notice family can, like, confirm this information for us. Yeah. That would be very helpful. Because it, yeah, it does seem like this was not the plan. <laughs> yeah, so, something went goofy, and so we can only put so much of this on Jason Tracy's shoulders, because it yeah. seems like a very random point. I, I also think it's probably a matter of, like, they gotta get B out of prison, right? So, yeah. So at some, like, this has to happen sooner rather than later. We've already had six episodes of B being fully separate from the plot, even though she's number two build in the TV series. And you've already set it up that Anson, she can only get out if Anson is captured. Mm -hmm. It seems, yeah, it seems like... So they really wrote themselves in a corner. Yeah, that, that, that it is definitely what it seems and like. And they needed someone to write them out of it. And again, Jason Tracy was not that person. No, no. I think, you know what, who I think would have been good for this episode is Rashad Razani. Yeah. Because I think he has a good balance of the levity of Burn Notice, but I also think he's a stronger plotter. Yeah. No, it wouldn't make it. Or the ones from last week, but they just did last week. Yeah, they, and I think they should have done last week because they're good on yeah. like papers. Yeah, that's true. You know, this isn't really an adventure episode the same way. I think Rajad Razani could do a lot more with like kind of the locked room yeah. tenseness of this this episode. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, at prison, uh, Anne hides Fee in a little hidey hole that she's cut into a library wall and hides the hides the hidey hole behind a shelf, so it's double hidden. Mm -hmm. um, you can hide in it, but also the the hole itself is hidden. And so Fee sits in wait as guards realize that she's missing and call like a code black or whatever. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, Barry is freaking out that he's going to die. He bemoans the fact that he never climbed Kilimanjaro, never watched The Wire, <laughs> and never had a four-way. And I will have any excuse to remind people that The Wire exists on this podcast. <laughs> I also appreciate the sentiment that, like, Barry has had a three-way. Oh, yeah. But his true white whale is the four-way. I feel like the four-way is just two people having sex next to each other, isn't it? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, like... How can everyone truly be involved? It's like, is it like a human centipede of fucking? I mean, it probably is a little bit. And, like, that the idea terrible. is that there's a lot of, like, handing off and, like, it's like, you know... It does I'll, just still feel like it's two people having sex next to each other and sometimes they switch. I mean, it's... Is that yeah. considered a four-way or is that considered just having lots of sex next to each other and switching partners? I mean, I think that it's both... I mean, I could... I can envision a situation... Wherein, like, this is the everyone's is yes. a good podcast for this conversation. <laughs> exactly, where like, ev like, everyone is getting eaten out in like a circle. That's what, yeah, the human centipede. Yeah, 
Exactly. Well, this human centipede could also be like a... Yeah? Question. Which, I'm not trying to censor you. We're going to go into graphic detail about this, of yeah, course. Of course. Because this is the energy of today. But what do you think the genders are of Barry's perfect four-way? I don't know. I, like, genuinely don't know. I think... Here's the thing. No, let's talk about Barry. Let's talk about Barry. Let's talk about Barry. This, this feels like the last time we'll see Barry. I don't think it will... Although, I didn't think it was the last time we were going to see Nate. But it so, kind of feels like a send-off for Barry in a weird way. That's the thing. This episode is trying to do too many things. Yeah. It's like... Like, last week it, was doing a lot and balanced it really well structurally. This yeah. week is just a mess. The thing about this episode of Burn Notice is by the end of this episode of Burn Notice, the show is very different than the show than it was before this episode. Mm-hmm. And this episode is not the sort of episode that feels like it should change things. Right, yeah. Totally, like, this is not what I was waiting for. Exactly. Uh, so let's talk about Barry. Let's talk about Barry. So there is, I would say that... The Barry that the Burn Notice writers are writing. Mm-hmm. Like, the Barry, like, if the Burn Notice writers were writing the, the joke about the four-way, and they were thinking about the four-way, it's like he's the only guy because they're scared of, heter- of homosexuality. They're so, like, they're scared of it. So, like, Barry is someone who is, like, very effeminate, but they don't actually want to commit to him, like, being attracted to men, really. Mm-hmm. They just want him to be effeminate and, like, have this sort of gay panic of it without ever confirming that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it's kind of, then it's, like, explicitly homophobic. Right. And they can't quite do that. They have to, like, he has to be creepy. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing, is that, like, people, like, this is how homophobia works. Mm-hmm. Wherein, like, you... You say you don't have a problem with gay people, but you find the things that they do creepier. Like, that gay person is creepy, or that person's sexuality is weird, and I find that uncomfortable or whatever. And, like, next thing you know, you're like, trans women can't be outside. Mm-hmm. And it's like... And but you're it starts with, and like, you're protesting setting spas. up a straight man to have behaviors yeah. that are often stereotypically attributed to gay exactly. men. Exactly. And, but, like, also never explicitly setting him up as straight, either. Mm-hmm. But only ever having him talk about women. But I think he might have mentioned a guy at one point. Maybe. I think it might have been like a an offhanded joke. Yeah. So like the Barry that exists in the minds of the Burn Notice writer writers, he's the only guy. Mm-hmm. The Barry that I look at, like the Barry that exists in my mind of like Barry was a person, mm-hmm. like it's um at least I mean it's definitely like I think I think it was one guy, two girls. I would say like one guy, two girls, or like two guys one girl like i think it goes either way if it was two guys one girl yeah. then he doesn't get as much attention and i feel like in his ideal four-way he'd be getting a lot more attention that's true but i don't know though like i don't know how barry because like three guys and one girl feels more like a gangbang than a four-way that's true but not necessarily it's not necessarily but i i think that's like that imp- that's like only true if, like... If the guys aren't touching each other. They're right, no. Her. And these, these, these guys are very clearly touching each other. This yeah, is like a... True. No, this is not a gangbang situation. This is, like, a four-way that has one woman in it and three guys. Mm-hmm. Wherein, like, I'm assuming, like... I'm not assuming that like, you don't have to, but, like, the idea is that, like, for a while, like... Yeah, I guess one person could be spit-roasted and another person can be behind one of the people on yeah. the two ends of the spit-roast. Exactly, Yeah. <laughs> No, of course. There's lots of like, no one Google this. <laughs> no, like there's if you lots don't of, already know. Just don't. there's lots of things that four people can do. I guess that's true. 
Like, you know, there's a lot of holes available. There's lots of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I could see it. I feel like for symmetry's sake. The two guys, two girls. Two guys, two girls. The only two genders. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, just because, like, not necessarily because, like, the sex has to be penetrative or, like, you have to have, mm-hmm. like, that in that kind of way. But in the sense that, like, you want to have a nice mix at a party. Yeah. True. You know? Um, in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. So, that's that's kind of how I think it is. Because I think, like, that's, a, that's how I think Barry rolls. Yeah, I, that was my my guess as well, is yeah. like one guy, two girls. Yeah. But also two guys, because Barry's there. Well, I mean, yeah. like, Barry plus exactly. one guy, two girls. I'm glad we sorted this out. Exactly. Let's continue. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Sam is, while Barry is bemoaning all the things he never did, mm-hmm. Sam is making himself a makeshift beard can bazooka, which Barry, Barry calls his boomstick, because we haven't referenced the fact that Bruce Campbell played Ash from Evil Dead in a while. Yeah, I just uh, saw that that trivia note on IMDb. I wouldn't have picked that up. I don't think that's the first time someone has said boomstick on this show. Probably not. No, like, but it's like, we want to make sure we get that in. This is Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. And after a bit of back and forth over the intercom between Sam and Hartley, Sam shoots the beer can full of bomb stuff at the gun guys' gun car, <laughs> which causes all the guns to gun. All the guns, like... Because it's not like a bomb. It's like a lot of loose ammo, too. It's a lot of, like, it's like a lot of, like, loose ammo and, like, guns that are, like, and he just basically shoots a flaming beer can at it, mm-hmm. and then all the guns go off. Yeah. And, like, they shoot everywhere, but I guess that renders, like, it's not like the SUV explodes. Mm-mm. It's not clear that the, all the weapons are useless. I think he was hoping that it would hit more of them than it ended up hitting. And it- but the thing is... Everyone else, I feel like all the uh, the guys are acting like those guns are off the table. Yeah. I don't know if it's partially because, like, the fire may be still going and more might, but... Yeah, and I, I think that's probably what he's hoping we assume. Yeah. But, but given how sloppy every setup has been so no, far. No, here's the thing. I don't think he's ho- thinking that far. I think he's thinking, I put a bomb in the gun things. All the guns went off. That's out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, but, like, in the sense of, like... I don't think there's a logic to it. It's much more like direct, like, thing goes into thing, thing is gone. Yes, fair enough. So then, they, yeah. then they have more intercom talk. Meanwhile, in the same, much in the same way that at, while this is going on, another gun guy sneaks around the back and then gets shot by the, like, robot. Yeah. And then he gets shot, not fatally, he gets, like, a gunshot wound. And then he just leaves. Yeah, well, that was something weird because, like, there's also other injured guys on this team, but they consider that guy gone. He's not fatally shot. He runs off and they're like, all right, now there's only three left. Like, yeah, exactly. They're like, he's tagged out. Much in the same way that the guns are now tagged out. Like, that's how it works. That's the logic. It's not, like, real world actual logic. It's, like, pure, like functional like children's game logic even though again he's not fatally shot and someone else on hartley's team who we see multiple more times also has a bullet wound we can see him bleeding through his shirt but he's fine but the other guy's like nope i osha told me i should quit months ago and you know what this is the last straw he's like it's like fuck these guys i would have bought it if he said fuck these guys yeah but he didn't he just leaves or if he died yeah, anything. And at first I was like, I guess they don't want to kill people, but they kill people oh, later. they kill so many people. <laughs> so, so I don't know brutal. what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this guy that just leaves. Yeah, there's no um, line with Sam X. Yeah. Anyway, so Sam and Hartley have more intercom talk, and Sam tells Hartley that they're armed to the teeth, which is a lie. They only have two shotgun rounds left. They gotta escape 
so they have to escape while Hartley waits for backup because I guess all of his guns are out now. Um, and so Sam gets an idea that involves cooking bacon because breakfast meat is magic. This is an epic bacon moment that's going to happen. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, in prison, Fee is hiding from the guards. However, the warden and the MI6 guy have a sniffer dog from last week. I'm assuming that these this was the same shooting block, and they're like, we have this dog. <laughs> We're going to get use out of this dog in both episodes. Because it looks like the same dog. Yeah. And to be fair, it's like a German Shepherd. But like, you know, but still, it's like, it's weird that they're right next to each other. Yeah, that is strange. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about it either until just now when we were recording last week's. And so, like, the dog almost finds Fee. So Fee, who is hiding in Anne's hidey hole that has all of her other goodies, Mm -hmm. like, takes a thing of cigarettes and, like, throws it somewhere, like, on another shelf. I don't quite know how the physics of this work. Well, yeah, especially because it seems... So So there's, like, a vent next to her yeah. that she shoves the cigarettes out of. Yeah. But the, the, the vent is not how she got in. It's, like, a big hole that exactly. she Exactly. So she's hoping that the dog will find that, and they'll think that's what exactly. the Exactly. And so I guess this is an all-purpose dog. It's a drug dog, and it's also a person dog or whatever. And a nicotine also, dog. And a nicotine dog. Yeah. And it's, like... I don't know why that was so effective. And also why the dog just stops sniffing. The dog's also like, oh yeah, that must be it. Exactly. (laughs) And then the guy, the dog handler is like, I guess she was just the smell in the cigarettes. And again, this is a wild idea that works perfectly. It's like Fee just threw cigarettes and like, yes, that definitely works. (laughs) There's no way that that plan could have gone wrong. It just works. They don't even keep looking. It's like almost as if like, well, the dog found cigarettes, so it's done now. Mm-hmm. No more dog. Yep. <laughs> Once a dog finds cigarettes, that dog is useless. That's it. He's, that's his allotment for the day. Yeah, it's a shame that like they did not have cigarettes last week. <laughs> they could have gotten rid of that other dog, which was the same dog. <laughs> anyway, but now the MI6 guy is like, well, fuck, this is the only time that I had allotted. I got to go back to MI6. I guess that's it. Yeah. The the other thing is that like so many things this week allegedly are on a time lock, but they don't feel like it. No, they don't. Last week did such a better job of ramping up the tension. But in this case, it's just like the guy's like, yeah, because like there's no reason why the MI6 guy has to get her right now. Like there's no urgency for getting her to confess. There seems to be nothing in it for them other than pettiness. Yeah. No, it just, yeah, it's literally, they just don't like Fee. Yeah. And they want her to be in jail forever. I also, but there's no timeline on that, so why can't he just stick around? I also, throughout this episode, have no idea whose side the warden is on. Yeah, it's very unclear. Because, uncle- like, a couple episodes ago, she was like, hey, you seem like you're in danger. Can I help you? And he's like, fuck you. And now she's like, hey. But, like, even, like, from scene to scene, sometimes it feels like she's on MI6 guy's side. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like she does not like MI6 guy and she's on Fee's side. Mm-hmm. But, like, has to be following the rules. It's very unclear where her allegiances are. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like subtlety. It feels like there's nothing for this character to do and the actress is trying and it's not. Right. Well, because yeah. it also, like, later on when Anne comes to her, it feels like the warden, like is humiliated that she let somebody go. And so if yeah. Anne can tell her where Fiona is, like, she will succeed. But, like, that hasn't been established. Exactly. Like, why would it matter that she doesn't know where Fee is? You're right, exactly. Meanwhile, back at the motel, a sex worker arrives at the motel and it asks specifically for the room that they know that Anson's package is in. Mm-hmm. And so they hack into her cell phone and, and like, they get Anson on the other end. And they hear Anson having a conversation with her and they're like, oh, they track that. 
So they track that to another hotel. Do we actually know that she's a sex worker? I know they call her a hooker several times. Yeah. But is it just that she's a woman wearing short shorts? Because she's not having sex with anyone for money, as far as we can tell. And she does not claim that she will be at any point. So why are we assuming this young woman is a hooker? I don't know. But, like, the episode says that it is. And it seems like that's a lot more nuance. Like, I don't... I Jason Tracy wrote this. This is a prostitute. Yeah, but how do they this know? This is a sex worker. It, it like, tells me a lot about what Jason Tracy thinks of women. Exactly. I mean, it's just like, we see a young woman. It's like, it well, can't be, be like, she's like a college student he picked up and it's like, you want some money to pay off your loans? Like, go so, to a hotel for me. I think the way that they find this out, because they know that she asked for like a specific room. Mm-hmm. So that means that she went into the office and asked the office, mm-hmm. which means that like, they have someone set up at the office. Mm-hmm. So I... Yeah, he's like a guy at a vending machine, I think. Yeah, but like... I wasn't sure if, like, the people who worked at the motel recognized her. I don't know if that was clear, yeah. I don't know. But that was kind of my thought, too, because I was, I was also wondering, like, why do we know that this person is a sex worker? And, like, mm-hmm. I assumed that the hotel people recognized her or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's I don't weird. Know. She didn't have to be a sex worker, but no, she, she was. Yeah. Anyway, but they know where Anson is now. They know where Anson is calls coming from anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he calls her and yeah. he's like, you know, if anything's suspicious, tell me. Otherwise, get me my package. Exactly. I, and I, she's like, I don't know what's... And she's just like trying to get through her day. She's like, I don't... He's like, look everywhere. And she's like, I'm just, a, I'm just a person. I don't know what I'm doing here. You've given this me no information. Woman. Anyways, meanwhile, Sam uses the bacon to make smoke bombs out of beer cans. And Barry is like... Why don't they just come in and kill us? And Sam is like, don't tell them that. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing, Jason Tracy? Like, you can't, like, try to, like, lampshade your shitty writing now. Yeah. It's like... It's too late. Just commit to it. Exactly. Once you start asking questions like that, this point in the episode, why did any of this happen? Mm-hmm. Like, literally none of this makes sense. They make some smoke bombs, and they throw the smoke bombs, and it doesn't work. It's still unclear where they were trying to... Go? I think they were trying to get to the garage question mark because like they're trying to get like a car maybe but yeah. I don't think they successfully get there because no, it, tur- it turns out reinforcements have arrived yeah. and so they the smoke bombs that they were trying to create a curtain for like people are behind the curtain right. that they were not expecting. Exactly. And they use the last of their ammo in trying to escape and failing. Mm-hmm. So they run back into the house. Yes. So which point Sam just opens up a gas line and fills the mansion full of gas very quickly. I don't know how long it takes a mansion to be full of gas, mm-hmm. but it seems like it happens really fast. Yeah. Well, he does. This is the scene where he he drinks the beer and and yeah. Barry's like, "What's the beer for?" And he's like, "Oh, this is this is just a beer. Yeah, this, this is, is just for drinking." The thing that's so funny about this scene is that it feels like, and why, and also like why I can't like fully love this particular plot is that like. Nothing of it feels like an escalation. Because right. it's like... and Yeah, it's just like, that didn't work. Uh-oh. That didn't work. That didn't Uh-oh. Work. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that could be frustrating sometimes. Like, sometimes that's the point, is to be frustrating. But but it doesn't seem like their situation is getting substantially better or worse. No, it just feels like filling time. That's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. Like, I liked it because I liked that kind of plot line. And I, yeah. I thought there was enough fun beer crafts that, like... But yeah, it was literally just, like, nothing changed ever. And I think that's the lar- larger problem with this yeah. episode, is that there was no tension building. It was no, just there was stuff not. happened yeah. until the end. It all yeah. felt like a placeholder. Exactly. It all felt like an afterthought. Oh, God. <laughs> 
But yeah, so Sam just opens up a gas line, fills the mansion full of gas, and he and Barry hide under a porcelain tub like they're Indiana Jones in a refrigerator. And also they make a little comment about, like, if they get out of this alive, they'll never speak of this to exactly. anyone. Because they're a full foot apart, despite being under a fairly standard-sized, like, porcelain bathtub. Yeah, and they're they seem to have a lot very of large men. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's a pretty big tub. It's a rich person's tub. Yeah, but still. Yeah. We have to mention that no one will ever mention this again. Exactly. Because it might be gay. Hey, fellas, is it gay if you and your buddy have to hide under a bathtub to not get blowed up? But anyway, <laughs> at which point, Hartley and his guys blast a hole in the wall, which sets off all the gas, and all of them die. Just all of them just die. In like a really fiery explosion. Yeah. That definitely kills everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just literally, it's a plot ender. It's like, the house blowed up, the plot's done now. Mm-hmm. Like, no one's like wondering, did some guys escape? Like, no one is kind of like gets up and like points a gun at them. And yeah, because like, there was only like yeah. a couple of guys that were at the door. Like I yeah. think there was at most five people there, including the big bad. But yeah, no. But there were reinforcements, right? Yeah. Didn't they bring in a bunch of new dudes? No. Nope. Was the reinforcements one guy and then the guy that got shot earlier that's like, fine, I'll help. Nope. Just done now. Everyone's dead. And they can go home. <laughs> yeah. And they can go back and watch The Real Housewives with Maddie. Yeah. Because that's what she's doing this week. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in prison, Anne tells the warden that she'll let her know where Fee is if she, if the warden supports Anne's parole. And they have, like, discussion and they decide to do that. So the warden and some guards open up Fee's hidey hole. And one of the guards just goes, get out of there. Come here. <laughs> like, he's talking to his cat. Yeah, it did feel very, like, you found an animal in a crawl space. Yeah. It's not a way that you talk to another human being. But it didn't even sound like he was pointedly trying to dehumanize her. Mm-hmm. It was literally just like he was talking to like a cat. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, God, get it. Like, He's been mildly inconvenienced by this animal. Yeah, it's like, what a weird choice that this guy is making. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that guy, but I kind of love him. But the warden says, you know that the MI6 guy is going to come back and he's like, well, it's a good thing I'm getting out soon. Just like Anne. It's like, why are you all... <laughs> Yeah, well, so there's a couple of things about this that bothered me. And this is the point in the episode where I started to get frustrated, too. So, Because, like, there were a couple of things that you picked up on that I, yeah. I just sort of glazed over. But here's the, there's a handful of things. So, first of all, Fee instantly outs Anne as being in on this with her. Yeah. She's like, good thing me and Anne are both getting out soon. Yeah. And, like, Anne smirks, like, haha, we got one over on you. Can the warden not rescind her support of Anne's parole? Right. Why not? And then she also immediately puts Anne in solitary as well as Fee. Yeah, but she only for three about, months, so Anne's yeah, fine. Exactly. But, but that's the thing. It's like, but that's exactly because it's like, well, you think she's in cahoots. So why does she get the parole? Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Under, I don't because like basically Anne has already written like a recommendation that she just yeah. needs the warden to sign. Exactly. Like, she's written it from her perspective. So the warden does and sends it to the lawyer. So can she not rescind it? Presumably right. she will be a like witness. It's not just a letter of rec. Like, exactly. They might call her references. So it feels very dangerous to out her there. And second of all, like, why is the MI6 guy not there? What's happening? Well, he's got to go back to MI6. Why? Because the window's closed. Why? I don't know. <laughs> That's the point. None of this makes any sense. Yeah. Oh my god, but no, like, and so everything's just fine. There are no, other than Fee this, being This in, is also a plot editor. Yeah, other than Fee being in solitary for a bit, has suffers no consequences from this thing. Mm-mm. But, like, she's still getting out. It doesn't make her 
That doesn't make her situation any worse at all. Mm-hmm. She's basically just killing time until the CIA and, exactly. and Michael get their ass like together. Like, the CIA just does not care that this happened. Like, it's so weird. God. Anyway, so Michael and Pierce and Jesse, the ins- entire CIA, arrive at the hotel room where Anson's calls were coming from. However, they find two cell phones there because he was bouncing the calls from, a, like, another cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% sure how this works, but it doesn't matter. And they don't explain it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they do. No, the thing is that, like... They explain it enough that Jesse says it's a good idea. Like, Jesse says a line. It's one of those things that you should never do if you're a writer, which is compliment your own writing <laughs> by having someone say, that. oh, that was pretty clever. I, I hate it whenever someone does a speech on television and someone else goes, that's a good speech. Because it was. it's never good enough. No. It's never good enough to warrant it. Mm-hmm. No one's ever, like, given a speech that good where someone said that was a good speech. It's like, no. <laughs> but anyway, they use the phones to call Anson. Yeah, so now that they have the go-between phone, yeah. they use the go-between phone that has to ping Anson's phone first before it gets pinged back to itself. Exactly. And so they can use that to trace him to where Anson actually is. And they need to move really fast, And they, but they also need eyes on Anson. And so Michael figures that, like, if Anson is near the airport where he is, he's at a cafe near the airport, like, Nate is probably also near the airport, and he is gambling like nate does yeah i mean i think isn't it that like nate was sent home so he's like waiting for his flight exactly, or something yeah so that's why he's there exactly michael tells nate that anson is nearby find him get eyes on him and do not like interact with him in any way just keep his eyes on him mm-hmm. now i feel like the way the weird thing about this next moment because of course nate immediately goes and cold cocks anson Mm-hmm. And pulls a gun on him. He's like, this is for my big brother. Exactly. But the thing about this moment is it feels weird because, like... No one arrests Nate instantly for assaulting someone inside I mean, their casino? That, too. Because <laughs> that seems fucking wild. But, I mean, a larger storytelling thing, it feels like the friction that is going on between Michael and Nate is that, like, it, for most of the episode, is that, like, Nate is being bad at being a spy. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like, at the end of this arc, he should be better at being a spy. And he kind of... I think it's the... the I, don't, I don't think so. I disagree with that. I think it's, like, a cruel irony of, like, the rule of thirds of Nate continuing to just sort of be a bumbling, violent fool. But the thing is, though... And that's what ultimately gets him killed. But it doesn't necessarily, right... Because, like, okay. I mean, it does, because he's not, he wouldn't have been outside with, like, next to Anson I mean, had he just done what Michael told him to do. I mean, yes. But, like, that's in such a weird, weak way. Because, you know what doesn't happen ever? Anson never gets the drop on Nate Weston. Like, no. for so, like, well, I mean, apparently, Nate Weston is so dumb <laughs> that Anson's genius mind games don't work on him. Well, I, I don't think he was expecting Nate to be there, first of all. Anson is also fully without, like, allies at this point. Yeah. Like, it, Michael even makes this point a couple episodes ago of, like, to Rebecca, like, you're his only asset left. Like, before he met me, before he tried to, like, recruit me, like, he had a multi-billion dollar empire. And now he has you. And now I have you. Anson has fucking nothing. It's true, but also Nate is Nate. Yeah, like, but he's just all, but like Anson has nothing and he's he was a mind game guy, but Nate, I mean, to your point, yeah. doesn't have a mind. He just punches him and like, what's Anson going to do at that point? He just got fucking cold cocked by I a guy know. he did not expect to be there. And it's also very clear, unclear how much time passes between 
this moment when he cold cocks him and the moment when like Michael. Yeah, and- that feels like a long time. It feels like it's wild that Ansa didn't try anything as exactly. he was walking is- him out of the casino. This is what I'm saying. And also is the like- casino lets him go. Yeah, the casino lets him go. Like it's unclear because we see they're inside the casino or the cafe or whatever. And he knocks cold cocks him, pulls a gun on him. Steals his gun and, like, pulls it on him. Mm-hmm. Next time we see them, they are outside in broad daylight. <laughs> At no point. And, like, and also, they, enough they, time they, has passed uh-huh. that Michael and all the CIA got from the one location to the other. Mm-hmm. That's more than enough time for Anson to try something. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. No. It's very unclear why Anson does not. Anson, like, is a very smart person. It's so weird. Yeah, but at a point when you're with, like, a dumbass whose only thing they know is violence, like, what would Anson have done at that point? He has literally no leverage. Exactly. But also, like, there's other people. Like, the thing is that, like, again, Nate is carrying him out at gunpoint. It'd be very easy for him to, like, call security and be like... Right, that's fair. And then mind game... Like, hey, a man attacked me. Can anyone help me? And they're like, I don't know, you seem like a villain, dude. And then, like, mind game the security people. There's, like, other people around that are smarter than Nate mm-hmm. that are not, that so are thus not immune to his pro- Like That's fair. Like, yeah. On that so- level, it's fair. I do think that it's fine that, like, the dramatic irony of, like, Nate not being a good spy, he's just a bumbling fool, is what eventually gets him killed. I would say, okay, but here, I would say that it would work better if... Anson got the upper hand on him. Right. And like, it wasn't just a completely... Uh, like, it, it wasn't yeah. that necessarily that he disobeyed Michael's orders. Exactly. Because the thing is that, like, yeah... Because also, because if that... If we're assuming what happens in the episode is correct, it's that seven-piece chess where Michael's like, if you get if you get Anson alone, he won't try to mind-trick you, but you will be in a position where somebody might shoot you next to Anson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, that's... That's wild. Yeah. But that's what happens. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like, Michael... And the CIA arrive. Nate is holding An- Anson at gunpoint with a gun behind, like, right behind Anson's back. Mm-hmm. At, Anson, how gunpoint works, yeah. At, at, at how gunpoint. Well, by the point of being, like, he's not that far away. Mm-hmm. It's very important that they're close together physically. Sure, 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 sure. And so Michael's, like, so happy that he finally got Anson. And then, like, Anson says a thing, like, well, like, I'm not getting arrested. I know where all the bodies are buried. Mm-hmm. And then a second later, Anson gets assassinated by a sniper. And what I can only assume is that the bullet goes through Anson and hits Nate. Yeah. Because the although the the other option is that the sniper was looking at Nate and was just like, I should just shoot that fucker too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about this guy. This guy seems like a piece of shit. Yeah. This guy has a shootable face. I mean, he's holding a man at gunpoint in broad daylight. That seems bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a, you know, citizen Exactly. Arrest. And so he hits Nate, and Nate fucking dies. Yeah. He fucking dies. I was legitimately shocked. <laughs> I was legitimately shocked. Like, he fucking dies, and like, and here's the thing. There's a lot of fake outs on this show, mm-hmm. and I was like, this show is like the sort of show that will be like... That will like pretend to kill off a character, have everyone dress up like they're at a funeral, and then go to someone else's funeral. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of show. Totally, but not so, for Nate. If if it had been any of the main no. four or Madeline, I think they might have done that. For the Nate, point is, I was not, not sure. I was pretty sure because again, this episode was not an episode to do this. Uh, no, it was absolutely the wrong place. So I this le- season. legitimately thought Nate was fine until the sad indie rock 
indie pop started playing. Yeah. The moment that the sad indie pop started playing, I was like, oh, no, Nate is dead. They, like... The music starts playing. There's like slow motion. We keep cutting to random past. I'm so glad you mentioned this. It's so bizarre. They have like three glamour shots of extras just looking sadly up like, oh no. Like, the man oh. that we all, I guess, should have considered a villain was just killed. And this other man looks very upset. It's like, oh my God, Nate Weston died. <laughs> well, I guess he's very well known in Atlantic City. Maybe they did know him. Maybe it's like, oh no, Nate came back. Uh, we'll just die. No, did you hear about Nate Weston? <laughs> like, he used uh, to have a limo, but mostly gamble. Oh my god. It's just, yeah, no, it's like everyone, like, every single person there is, like, aware of, like, the gravity of the moment. They're like, oh no, there goes Nate Weston. (laughs) It's so strange. Why did we cut away to strangers? Why does it matter? What is the point of this? And it's they just need to add time to the episode? Like, what? No, they have to really sell that this is a moment. Why couldn't we just focus on Michael? It's like, oh, God. Remember two episodes ago when, like, you and I both started crying because Michael Weston was just, like, sadly talking to Fiona and then broke out of an Irish accent? We like Fiona. Yeah, but also, we didn't cut away to, like, the guard watching them have the conversation. We just let the two performers have their moment. But no, this is what I'm saying is that we like Fiona, so we don't need that. I think we need, the audience, they feel like the audience needs to see people being shocked that Nate is dead (laughs) so that they can realize that they're supposed to be shocked that Nate is dead. (laughs) These people, these random people on a street corner, they're you. Yeah. (laughs) You don't feel like they do right now. You're a sociopath. It's like you, this is a tragedy that's happening. Look at these people. They're reacting to a tragedy. (laughs) No, but I will say like that the music playing and like all these cutaways, as bad as it is, it's like communicated to me that like, no. It's like we're the show is communicating to you that like Nate is actually dead, mm-hmm. um, and so like yeah, Nate's fucking dead. Yep. Um, the music keeps playing, and we cut to a scene of like Michael going home to Madeline, and he's telling, wearing like a dark suit, like he's already been to the funeral. Right. He's pre mourning. <laughs> exactly, and telling Madeline that what had happened that Nate's gone. I Nate's think is how gone. He phrases Nate's it. gone. She slaps him and says, no, he's not. She sells this. Yeah. I will say, like, this is the only performance in this episode that sells it is Sharon Glass, because Sharon Glass is a fucking class act. Yes, she is. And she always sells it. And her garbage son is dead. Yeah, and her garbage son is dead. And then the music keeps playing, and then we get to Fee immediately getting released out of prison, because Anson's dead now. Mm-hmm. Wearing the same, like, flowy white dress yeah. she got arrested in. Her hair cascading behind her like a yeah. goddess coming down from Mount Olympus. I will say... <laughs> I will say this is the one thing that I, I did enjoy... The, like, irony that we're living in here in this moment, where it's like, you got Fee, but this was the cost. Right. And, like... That is, like, the one thing about this whole sequence that I think, other than Sharon Glass's performance, because mm-hmm. I think the scene is not great that she's in. No. But, like, she is good in it. Yeah. This is the one part of this whole montage that I think works as intended, mm-hmm. is the Fee and Michael reunion. Yeah, because you can feel the bitter yeah. sweetness in Michael's exactly. eyes. Like, I think Jeffrey Donovan's actually doing a genuinely good job here, where it's like, he is excited to see Fiona. They bring out the best in each other. They do! They do. I like, love these two! <laughs> I and can't then, believe I went from like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I like Fee, so I guess I like this main relationship. But now I'm like, I ship them. I will die for them. They're my parents. <gasps> oh, my God. But yeah, like, and so this scene works where like, yeah. And then like they hug. 
And I forget the exact exchange, I, but it's something like... She, I think she's like, Michael, what's wrong? Yeah, like, Michael, what's wrong? Like, yeah. No, but, like, before then, like, no, they have a whole conversation. She's like, I love you. Like, I need... And he says something along the lines of, like, I need you now more than ever. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one ever says why. He doesn't oh, I, go, yeah, I think she makes a joke. Like, I, I was worried that you were... You didn't need me anymore. Yeah, she's like, exactly. I need you more now than ever. And then she's like, Michael, what's wrong? And exactly. Then, and that's... Yeah. That's it. Let's see... And that's, that, like, that's very yeah, exactly him not saying Nate's dead is the only bit of subtlety. <laughs> and that's it. R.I.P. Nate Weston. <laughs> you died as you lived stupidly. <laughs> All right, let's get to spy tips before let's get we get some fucking spy tips before we fully download this. Oh God. Anyway. The motion sensor in a backyard floodlight. Floodlight, that's what they're called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you might have said that in your list. I might have done. Uh, Floodlight works by measuring infrared heat. When it changes detected, it triggers a charge in two electrical leads that turn on the lights. With a little creative rewiring, that same spark can transform a shotgun shell into a primitive smoke-activated zip gun. Yeah. Yeah, clever. I'll do that. Yeah, I like that. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's why I like Sam's scene so much, because this yeah. was the only scene where there was any really, like, spy tips. Yeah, no, it was fun. So, like, he's who we got to, like, watch do fun stuff. Exactly. I like that he called it his little robot. <laughs> that was nice. I enjoyed that. All right. When you're on the run, the first few hours are when you're most likely to get caught. Most fugitives are caught quickly because they're trying so hard to get away that they leave a trail a mile wide. The best plan is usually to hide well and stay out of sight. Of course, it doesn't matter how well you're hidden if you have a canine that can a canine unit that can smell you as well as see you. In that case, your best option is usually a decoy. Give the dog something to find and hope the handlers don't look too close. That's two tips. Yeah, so yeah. this works. I like this. Yeah. Although the actual scene is like, the the hope they don't look too close is you find one thing and they're like, well, that must be it. <laughs> Search yeah. over. There can't be two things in one place. We've already found the cigarettes. I think the principle of this is useful enough that I will allow it, yeah. but the actual scene is fucking wild. It's fun. And, like, the guy who says it, the way that he says it, just like, I guess it's a cigarette. Like, it's almost like this has happened before. It's like, this dog is just, this dog's yeah. got a nicotine addiction. We can't get anything out of this dog. This Anytime is... we go to a Coke house, it's, like, obsessed with the cigarettes, and it's like, no, we need you to smell the Coke, but it's all about that fucking cigarettes. This man is so sad. <laughs> This dog like, has a problem, and I didn't want to admit it to myself, but now it's it's been in front of other people. Other people have seen this dog have a problem, and now you know that I'm a bad dog owner because I let my dog have a But he loves that dog so much. He is, <laughs> he is sad about his dog in the way that the Sarlacc Pit guy is sad. With this, not the Sarlacc Pit guy. What's the other one from Return of the Jedi? Ooh. Oh. Oh, oh, fuck. The one that, that, that Luke fights in yeah, the black outfit. Sarlacc, yeah, Oh, fuck. I don't remember what it's called, but it's in the Jabba... Yeah, in Jabba's Palace. In like, Jabba's Palace. I am a Star Wars nerd. I should know this. I cannot remember what the thing is. She's but a like, fake girl, gamer girl. Yeah, yeah. A fake nerd girl. I'm a fake nerd girl. But like, yeah, when, when Luke kills that thing and the guy is all sad about it, <laughs> same energy. Yeah, that that's that's a great pull. <laughs> yeah. It would be a better pull if you knew what the fucking name exactly. was. Exactly. What the fuck is it called? Rancor. It's called a Rancor. Oh, it is called a I knew that too, but I'm definitely a fake gamer girl, yeah. so it doesn't matter what I know or not. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> anyway, point is, we like that show. Yeah, it's fine. Anyway, three. 4,000 years ago, warriors disoriented their enemies by setting fire to bushels of straw soaked in grease and turning them into smoke bombs. Even though today's soldiers have traded burning crops for 
oh god, that's a whole thing, isn't it? Uh, hexachlorothane. Hexachlorothane. Yeah. I have to. I have to say medicine for my job. You said so that like, a couple of weeks ago yeah. too, and that, that I was hoping that this wouldn't give you any. Exactly, pause. and yet. Now and you're a yeah, fake medicine girl, too. I'm a fake medicine girl. Uh, even though today's soldiers have traded burning crops for hexachlorothane, it doesn't mean those primitive me- methods aren't still effective. Yeah, and I think this compared, to, uh, can, like, in addition to he made bacon grease, and that's yeah. the that's his starter. Right, yeah. That works for me. That works for me. I would have loved it when the bad guys was like, smells like bacon. <laughs> smells delicious. Where are they? <laughs> Oh man. Anyway, number uh, number four. Explosion can kill you in four different ways. There's the shockwave, the shrapnel, the fire, and the oxygen depletion. The best way to survive that deadly combination of factors is to run like hell. But if running isn't an option, your best bet is to create a small, airtight space from the most flame-retardant material you can find. When an explosion is headed your way, it's hard to argue with an overturned porcelain bathtub. The brissancy or shattering force of a natural gas explosion is nowhere near as powerful as C4 or RDX, but just because the blast won't kill you doesn't mean you want to live through it without proper cover. Yeah, I mean, this is a good tip, although this just reminded me that of this moment, which is wild. Is I don't wild. think they've seen the bathroom yet, at least as far as the episode has shown us. So the fact that Sam just starts turning on all of the gas and then goes in and is like, oh, it sure is lucky. I had that same thought. I only assume that he cased the joint right away. I guess, I guess like, I yeah, I, you must. He must have had to because otherwise, like, my bathtub is just the wall. Right. Exactly. You know. No. Yeah. I had that same thought. I was like, it's a good thing. Like, did he do the thing and then look for the bathtub? But I could only assume because I, in while I was watching Sam, what I figured is that Sam immediately had a plan Z. Right. Like that, and it might be, and I, this one actually would have been a good spy tip. Like, is you explained that you always have a plan Z that is the worst possible thing you can do, mm-hmm. but will work. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then you work backwards from there yeah. to what you hope will happen. Exactly. And I'm assuming that, like, he figured it out right away. Because, like, he gets to that point so fast. Like, yeah. he goes from, like, we don't have any ammo to, well, we're blowing the place up, obviously. <laughs> they never, like, have the moment where, like, he discovers that plan Mm -hmm. so it kind of plays like he had it in the back of his head the whole time which does not make sense and is very confusing it is okay like everything in this episode yeah so with that do you want to try to argue that these are five spy tips instead of four here's the thing technically it's four technically it's four i think the the second and fourth spy tip have so much information in them that like between the two of them there's three tips i will allow it you will allow it I was, I, I was gonna say that's some bullshit. Like, it is some bullshit, but the fact that you're bothering to argue with it uh, swayed me. Yeah, I don't know why you want to help this episode out, but I don't care. This is more in fairness. Of, in fairness, and also because, as we've explained, we don't actually write down all the spy tips anymore. We have the burn notice wiki do that, that's and so true. The burn notice wiki is making decisions about what constitutes one tip, and we are like following their decision making sure. and sometimes it like that might not be accurate like some of these things feel like distinct tips yeah if there's, it, a, if there's a pause between them sometimes the burn notice wiki doesn't come t- make those two spy tips exactly Worth. and so like and i think that's and normally that doesn't matter right but like this is a situation in which it matters and that's so fair. that's why i'm arguing for it that's fair yeah burn notice wiki wiki gives and taketh away exactly so we need to give back a little <laughs> 
Yeah, add to the Burn Notice Wiki, guys. Uh, add us to the Burn Notice And girls. Wiki. And Burn Notice Wiki girls, of which I am now one. Yeah. This fucking gendered-ass bitch. Oh, God. I can't fair. believe you gendered at me. Jesus. Anyway, so there is five practical spy tips in there. Yes, definitely. Does this episode use spycraft over violence? I mean, yeah. Michael does a lot of spycraft and they yeah. do a lot of phone tracing and That's a lot of true. yelling it's at all... Nate about ordering pizzas. Yeah. That's spycraft. That's the most spy thing you could do is yell at <laughs> Nate for ordering pizza. God, I want pizza. I go, oh, fuck. I really want pizza, too. Was there an alias in this episode? No, there wasn't. No, there was not. It was uh, it was everybody's everyone. Well, I can't... Every, every, I'm going to pitch something that you should not accept at all. Of course. But do you think Nate Weston was alias was he was trying to be Michael? <laughs> No, but Nate Weston did pretend to be a, a assistant manager at one point. That's true. It's not enough. No, it's absolutely not enough. But I think it can be an alias if it's only in one scene. I think an alias has to be in more than one scene. I think that's true. Otherwise, it's a gambit. No, I think we we had we had this before. There was yeah. there's a difference between an alias and like there's another word that we use. But like we did make this distinction yeah. in a previous season. No, totally. Was it the one? I don't know. I have a memory vaguely of which episode that was, but I don't remember enough about it to talk about it. So yeah. we'll cut this out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's no alias in this episode. Nope. Were at least two supporting characters used well? So did Fee get to blow something up or be a co-protagonist? No. No. She hid in a wall. Did Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? I think so. He I did beer he... can crafts. He, he drank beer beers. can crafts. He, he cracked wise with Barry. Yeah. No, I think that's, yeah. I think that counts. They said the word boomstick. Yeah, I was just going to say, they also made a reference to him being Bruce Campbell. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, if you say the word boomstick, I think you have to give it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, was Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? No, he wasn't no, even he was, a redundancy. He was just sort of there. He was just sort of there. His job in this episode seemed to be purely at one point going, uh, hey, that's your brother, dude. <laughs> and then later complimenting Anson's phone plan. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. That's All right, nothing. Madeline, bring it home. Okay, now here's where we have to sit and like have a conversation. Sure, yeah. Madeline's not in the case of the week. No. She's only in one scene, in fact, right? The uh, very, very end? Yeah. Does that constitute a genuine emotional moment? She is great in that scene. But... The scene itself is not good. A genuine emotional moment with another character is how we describe with it. With another character. And I feel like there... I mean, her her being sad is different. Because, like, we use this... We, we made this tip based on, like, episodes where she and Michael have a hard conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, and or like, she has like a heart to heart. Her breaking I mean, down crying because her like, son dies, I feel like doesn't count. Yeah. And like, I mean, how do we feel her about Her being a good actor and Jeffrey Donovan being an okay actor. I was going to say, like, how, yeah, Jeffrey Donovan in the scene, I don't know. And who's utterly forgettable. Yeah. It's like. Because, I mean, the scene wasn't about him. But, like, yeah. the fact that they barely say anything. Yeah, and it feels like. We didn't actually get, like, if they had had a conversation where she, like, blames him and they talk it right, out. Right, exactly. Maybe. You know what the scene felt like? What? An afterthought. <laughs> yeah, so you the know word what? of the day is afterthought. A F. I don't know how to spell the rest of it. I'm just a dumb girl. I'm just uh, a dumb gamer girl. Also rancor. <laughs> but yeah, it does feel it. Well, it, it it doesn't even feel like an afterthought. It feels like a pre-thought. It feels like pre-come before the scene that we would have actually given her. Yeah, the, like the emotional moment. Right. Exactly. That we cut it off because it doesn't. Yeah, and it's so clear. Shit. 
I I have no idea what the next episode is going to look I like. I know. I'm right? so fascinated to know, though. I'm because, really like, interested. How much is the next episode going to be the Morning Nate episode? And how much of it is just going to be another, like, day at the office? Exactly. Well, I mean, it's not going to be another day at the office because, again, like... Anson is dead. Well, I mean, day at the office as in, like, his yeah. little vigilante side hustles. No, yeah, totally. But I mean, like, the thing is that, like... I assume it will be trying to find the sniper. I'm Who do assuming... you think the sniper is? I think it might be Rebecca. I don't know if it's Rebecca. It would be... That's, she, that's, she hates Anson. She hates Anson, but that's... And we haven't written her off yet, and she was apapparently a big enough actress at the time that you thought it was notable to, like, mention who she was. I mean, that is true. The thing is that, like... I think it's... it's the either... sniper killed nate the thing is that like i am assuming that nate's death is going to motivate michael for the rest of the show now that anson is it the thing is that like the thing is that like anson being they sold anson so well as like the mastermind Mm -hmm. that like now that anson is gone michael needs a thing that he's doing Mm -hmm. and so it has to be getting the sniper Interesting. And so, so here's like, my three options for who the sniper is. So I, my okay. first was Rebecca, because I think it's more interesting if it's someone we already know. That's my first option. And and Nate was just an accident, or she yeah. just didn't care because she was so exactly. angry and she had to keep her brother but safe. I don't think you could get, like, a season plot line out of that. I don't think so either, but yeah. I think it could have been interesting. Second option is that it's somebody on the, on the CIA side mm-hmm. and like yeah. Pierce had them set up and yeah. was like, you know, any, by any means necessary sort uh-huh. of a thing. And it's like, now she, ha- there's this like awful thing where instead of like in season yeah. like four where Michael is working with the CIA, but he's working against them and like the CIA can't know that he's like sort of working against them. It's the opposite where Pierce now has this like huge guilt of like uh-huh. continuing to work with Michael as he is investigating without telling him that like she actually is the one that set the sniper up. Yeah, that's very that's also, possible. That's also interesting to me. I like that. It keeps Pierce around. It, it gives does. her guilt. It gives him a reason to finally break with the CIA. Yeah. So that it, establish, it justifies that he used to be a spy and he's not uh-huh. just a spy again now exactly. that everything's hunky-dory. I it's think true. That could be interesting. Yeah. Third option is just a total rando like uh, fucking Gilroy in season two. Yeah. And he just like, we just need a new bad guy. So this exactly. is the new bad it's guy. It's like, yeah, it's sort of just like the actual, I don't know if it's like, it's like Anson's brother or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, I mean, it th- this person doesn't have to be related it's at like, all. Anson's made enough enemies that they they have yeah. the freedom to just say, it's just some guy, and now he's they the could, bad guy. But the thing is that if it's just some guy, it feels a little bit like... Well, a guy that then we learn is like, he's super connected. Exactly, really, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like that. It's like, yeah, like that. The MacGuffin. That's the MacGuffin It's option. gotta be like, it's... It's like Metatron or right. something. And then also somehow Simon Escher's in charge. Exactly. Because remember, that was the Gilroy thing, is that Gilroy seems like totally out of left field, and then it's like, no, Simon Escher hired him. Exactly. Mindfuck reasons. <laughs> what if it was Simon Escher? <laughs> God, I hope so. He's like, remember me? And they're like, I, dude, I actually don't. Who, please remind me. I'm so sorry. This is so awkward. Who are you? Oh my God. What if it's Frazier's dad? <laughs> yeah, what? I think... Frazier's dad must be arrested, right? Yeah, whatever. Either dead or arrested? Dad? I don't know. Where is Frazier's dad? Yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing. Frazier's dad would actually make sense if you wanted to full circle shit. But the problem is, is that Anson is allegedly like Frazier's dad's boss. Yeah. So we we were led to believe that Michael has hunted down everyone and even remotely related, including Vaughn, to this agency, to this, this organization. That's Anson true. was the mastermind. He started it. And he's yeah, the last where is one. Frazier's dad? 
I mean, we never really knew him other than management. And so yeah. I, I, I think like the, the, he was sort of just a stand in until they gave us a real specific villain. Like, yeah, Mon, but the thing like, is that Anson. like, but we did meet him multiple times and it is weird. We did meet him multiple times. We didn't have closure. And the thing is that like in the scene wherein Anson explains all of his bullshit, mm-hmm. he makes it sound like they started it. The two of them. Oh yeah. I guess it's, he kind of did. Yeah. And it seems like the idea that, like, there was management and there was him. And they they came together and they started this whole thing. And we don't actually know what happened to Fraser's dad. Yeah, I guess I just sort of assumed that he got caught up with the rest of the I arrest. But we didn't... We too, but we never, like, we never really totally... Okay, so that's yeah. option four. So is those are the Fraser's four dad? valid options. I think option two is the most interesting. I think it is Because it keeps well. Pierce around. I love Pierce. Yeah. I think it could be fun I if mean, she I and Fee think... became, like, actual friends. And we got to see, like... A positive relationship between two, two women at the, of the same age. I will say, I don't think you need that to keep Pierce around because Michael just works at the CIA now, and now Fee works at the CIA. But like, I think, but but like, I first of all, I want Pierce to be around, and I also think yeah. it's interesting because she gives a face to like it was her decision no, to put yeah. the sniper up there. Like that's and now, a good plot for her. Yeah, I know. I agree, it's a good plot for her. I just think they don't need that to justify having her on the show. She's just kind no, of no, no, regular no. now. I mean, she doesn't have to be, though, because at this point, they have no reason to necessarily work together. Like, maybe, because she was just there for a little while, but now, like, but her plot's I felt largely like, resolved. I was under the impression that, like, Pierce was just her boss, which is Michael's boss now. I think that was, like, as in a in, an intermediary level. I, I, I didn't know if she was going to stick around forever. It wasn't yeah, clear. but I also feel like they could have just said permanently. But like, it just basically, in my mind, it gives her something new to do. But it definitely gives her something new. I like it as a plot line, though. Mm-hmm. So that's that's yeah. what I hope will happen. Yeah. What do you think is the most likely? Number three, um, random person who's now just the new bad guy. I don't know. It's like we've wrapped up the yin yang killer. I like actually inside, don't. And we just need a new serial killer to fight. I actually don't know because, like, I genuinely don't know. I have no idea what happens next. Me either. I feel like I think your idea is smart. I'm trying to figure out if it's one of those ideas that's smarter than the show. <laughs> or if it's just smart enough for the show. Sure. I don't think it's going to be a rando. I don't think like, because I think they're smarter now and they realize that. Continuity actually makes your show better. Not just continuity makes your show better, but like they they realize that they put too many eggs in the Anson basket that they cannot do another. There's a man behind the curtain. Well, and I want to be clear that my rando pitch uh, option is not just another man behind the curtain. It's just like somebody who was a budding crime boss was threatened by Anson in theory Got it. Like, and like killed him so that they could now do their own crime thing. It right. might be totally separate from the yeah. CIA. It's just a new bad person who so, wants to be a big bad. And now like now it. that Anson is gone, there has to be a new big bad. Right. This person fills that. Kind of like Milo Stanfield on The Wire. Which Barry would not know about. <laughs> he might now. Maybe he went home and immediately binged The Wire while having sex with three other people. Like, he's oh, he's at the front of the human centipede fuck chain. Yeah. So that he can watch The Wire while getting God. <laughs> Was it Milo? It's Milo, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen The Wire. <gasps> oh, you should. That's good. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, that, is actually, that is a thing, though, that, like, that show did mm-hmm. wherein like and they were smart because it's a well-written show of like setting up this new bad guy because like like at one point they kind of do switch big bads 
and like they, well, I mean that's also just something that happens in procedurals where like, like the seasons just, long arc, like in Castle, once they find the killer of Castle's yeah. mom, they have a new thing. Exactly. You know? you Sometimes it's like they introduce a serial killer that got away in season two that comes back. Exactly. But like the thing is that like it's one of those things where it's really hard to do that. Because it always feels like diminishing returns. Oh, of course. The trick is to have... That's why you stop watching Supernatural in season, like, four instead yeah. of season 18. Exactly. It's like, they've already died and gone to hell, like, yeah. five times. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what's uh, left? I think season five is the cutoff, because that's when the original showrunner left. Of, of season... Of Supernatural? Supernatural, yeah. Season five might have been when I stopped. I stopped, like, an episode before the finale of one of the seasons where it's, like, the third time Dean's died, and then they're like, and now God's a character, and I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I think it might have been, I will say, I think the season five finale is a solid finale for the show. What happens with the season five finale? I don't remember. A lot of it's about the car. <laughs> well, it's always about the car. Well, no, but, like, that is the thing. Like, the, the season five finale makes a gambit that the show is about the car. And uses the car as a metaphor in a way that, like, works. Unlike the actual finale, where I think they drive the car in heaven. Oh, yeah, I think they do. I think one of them picks up the other one in the car in heaven. In heaven. The car is in heaven. Dean dies from, like, sepsis or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah doesn't, doesn't Dean get, uh, or not, not sepsis, I mean, it might be sepsis. No, yeah, like, he gets, like, stabbed. Like, it's like a, a real... rusty nail. What's yeah. that called, though? Oh, oh. Tetanus. tetanus. Yeah, tetanus. I, think, I think Dean dies from tetanus or something Sepsis lame. is a different thing that is also super deadly. Well, sepsis, you can get sepsis. Like, sepsis is what happens when, like, bacteria enters the bloodstream. Right, yeah. And you can't get it out, and that happens a lot at, like, hospitals and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he might have gotten tetanus, and then in trying to cure the tetanus, he got sepsis, sepsis and died. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying it's plausible that my first guess was true. But anyways, yeah. Dean dies, like, basically right after Cass, but Cass has gone to super hell. Yeah. Mega super hell for gay angels. And then, and then Sam lives a really long life and they spray paint his hair white and then he goes to heaven and his God, brother picks him Sam. up in the car. I say this having not seen Supernatural in like that years. The wig that he wears when he's old. <laughs> That's so funny. If you've never, if you haven't seen the picture of Sam wearing the wig of fucking, what's his name? Like, dumb McTall guy. Who can't act. What is his name? He's on fucking... Uh, Jared Padalecki. Jared Padalecki. The worst actor in the world. <laughs> God. This fucking, like... He looks like he's he's got a Halloween costume on of, like, Doc from uh, Back yeah, to the Future. He does. He but he didn't like fully commit and he didn't shave. Yeah, no, it's like... No, it looks like he's in a sketch. I don't even remember what we were talking about. But just anyway, Nate's dead. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. Nate. <laughs> and I guess... There's nothing left to do but just thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can get more from Vincent at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And bye! Oh no, I forgot a bit. It's almost like this whole bit was an afterthought. (laughs) R.I.P. Nate Weston. (laughs) R.I.P. Ding dong, the Nate is dead. (laughs) Fuck that, dude.